Welcome to church. So glad you're here. Hey, I want to give you a greeting from Cape Coral and Golfside Church. Beth and I were there last Sunday and got to share in the worship service there with Paul and Tia Erminger and the team. And they send their warm greetings, emphasis on warm um, <laughs> as I think about it. Golfside Church is doing great. Just really a grand spirit there. People are enthused about being part of this new congregation in Cape Coral. And I just, I just love it. One of, one of my favorite moments was I was introduced to a number of people, and one was a relatively new Christian. He's a young man with a beautiful family. He's a police officer there in the area. And I preached a sermon last weekend there called A Missionary God. A Missionary God. And after the service, this guy asked me the question, what's a missionary? And I thought that was just the greatest question I've heard for a long, long time, because these are the kind of folks you want to reach. People who just don't have any orientation to the faith and to how it works and the vernacular we use and that sort of thing. And it just reminded us of how important it is to continue to reach into the culture that needs to know the wonderful news of Jesus. So thank you for your love and support of Golfside Church. They're doing great. We're really proud of them and wanted to give you an update on that. Last thing I want to mention before the message is about Easter, which is coming up on April 21st this year. And we have been coordinating uh, our teams, our staff with Destiny Christian Center's uh, staff here locally, pastored by uh, uh, Pastor Keith O'Neill. And of course, Keith was on our staff here, led our worship teams for almost three years, uh, a few years ago, and planted this church in town, which we helped him get started. And so we're going to combine our congregations on Easter Sunday, and we're going to meet at Emmons Auditorium. So all of that's been arranged. We're going to have one service at 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday. We're going to pack out Emmons Auditorium. We're blending our worship teams. Uh, Keith is going to preach, and I'm going to exhort. We're going to invite people to receive Jesus that day. Uh, the whole idea is to, is to share the gospel of Jesus with as many people as we can. So you be thinking about folks who might come with you to Emmons Auditorium on Easter Sunday. And we are going to party. It is going to be great fun. So mark your calendars for April 26th. It's going to be great fun. All right, now today we want to finish up this series that we began a few weeks ago. And today I want to answer the question, my name is, and I want to submit to you this morning that my name is accepted. My name is accepted. Chosen as our text this morning from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read the first two verses and the last two verses of that chapter. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll project the words as well. Our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So as you're able, thank you for doing that. This is the Apostle Paul now, and he's writing to the church at Rome. And he wrote, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now the last two verses, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now may God inspire, encourage, and equip us through his word today. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You know, if I could pick one chapter of the Bible and cause it to be ingrained 
into our minds and hearts. If I could just, if I had the power to just put one chapter in there and you wouldn't ever lose it, it might very well be this chapter. Romans chapter 8. It is foundational to understanding who we are in relationship with God and indeed who we are in truth. Because the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And that's what I want to emphasize today in this message. God loves you, he has forgiven you, and he accepts you just the way you are. My name is accepted. Look at uh, this verse in Proverbs 23, verse 7. I'll put it on the screen. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about that now. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, it doesn't mean if you think smart, you are smart. <laughs> it doesn't mean if you think creatively, you're creative. It means as you think you are, so you are. Or to say it another way, as a person understands themselves within themselves, they are like that. There's a little uh, play that was written years ago called The Queen of the Stardust Ballroom. And in the story, there is a late middle age romance between two people who have both lost their spouses. There's a widow in her late 50s and a man in his early 60s. And the play has this brilliant little exchange, a repartee that takes place, and they're talking, and he is very well-spoken. He's very articulate, as the play's written. And at one point, she says, you don't seem like a mail carrier. And he responds, what do you mean? And she says, you don't seem like a postman. To which he responds, well, a mail carrier is not what I am. That's just what I do. Now, that's very insightful. Now, hang on to that for a second. I, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I want to encourage you to know, because this can change your life. Let, the, let this message today go past the cognitive. Let it go past your, just your thinking level. Uh, let, it go, let it go past any kind of emotional level. Let it get into your heart. Let it go spirit to spirit. Let it get right inside of you, if you can. And starting right now, one of the keys to this is you're going to have to separate what you do from who you are. If you don't, you'll be destined for a life of pain and disillusionment. For example, a high school student or a college student is an insufficient definition of who you are. Uh, you might be a musician. Maybe you're an excellent musician, maybe of concert quality, but it is not who you are. Uh, you may be a business person, a teacher, a technician, a manager, a laborer, but it's not who you are. It's merely what you do. You may be the most skilled teacher or the or the most, uh, uh, the most skilled physician in Indiana. But it is not who you are. You see, an accident could leave you unable to perform particular talent uh, you may have, but it won't change who you are. So listen to this carefully. Apart from your abilities, apart from your talents, and apart from your inabilities, and apart from your disabilities, if you have those, there is within you a person who lives and moves and has their being, separate from that. So your abilities do not define you, and neither do your disabilities define you. Now I want you to consider for a moment now what defines us. How can we understand best who we are in truth? 
The first verse of Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you have your bulletin insert uh, outline ready, this is your first word. No condemnation. You might want to write that down. No condemnation. This is where we stand. God has put my feet in a broad place. He's lifted my head above my enemies. He is the glory and the lifter of my head. These are all the promises of Scripture toward us. And this is where I stand in the reality of no condemnation. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to stand in a place of no condemnation? It means that I am not my past. The only way you can experience condemnation is by something you have done in your past or something that has been done to you in your past, and you might stand condemned. But the Bible teaches us that the place where we stand as followers of Jesus Christ is a place of no condemnation, which means I am not my past. I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by what I have done in the past. I'm not defined by what others have done to me in my past. My past now is behind me, and God Almighty has placed me now in a firm place, a solid place, a foundational place that reminds me that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? That's the place we stand. Yeah, and so where I stand is in this reality. Uh, the Bible describes the devil, by the way, as the accuser of the brethren. That's the phrase used, the accuser of the brethren. Now watch this. He accuses us by going before the Lord himself and reminding God about us. He says, did you see that? Look at what she did. Did you see that attitude? He accuses us constantly. And not only does the devil accuse us before God, but he accuses us to our face. Every one of us have had this moment. Uh, you wake up in the morning and you go and you look in the mirror and staring back at us are these thoughts, our face and these thoughts. Who do you think you are? Remember your sin? Thought you were a Christian. Thought you followed Jesus. Remember your failures? Remember those negative attitudes? Those judgments? Those actions? And what about last night? The accuser of the brethren. He does everything he can to bring accusation against the finished work of Christ. You have to know where you stand with God or you'll lose the internal battle with the accuser of the brethren. Now here's some tips with the devil. Just This is all free. You can't win a physical battle with the devil. You can't win an intellectual battle with the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. You simply have to know where you stand with Christ. Now hang on to this. To the degree to which you understand your relationship with the finished work of Christ, not your finished work, your work isn't finished. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. We're not done. We're not finished. We're never going to get to that perfection place. So we don't stand in our own work, but rather we stand on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so the degree to which you understand your relationship with the finished work of Christ is the degree to which you will have victory over the voices of accusation that come to our lives. You have to look back in the mirror when you hear that accusation and say, look, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So let me put this statement on the screen. Look at it carefully. 
your self-definition begins with the finished work of Christ. That's where it begins. You are not what you have done in the past, and you are not what someone else has done in the past. You are not your parents' sins. You are not your family members' sins. You are, you are not uh, any person's sins in your past. You belong to God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Some of you know the name James Robison. Uh, James Robison is a Christian evangelist, has been for many years. He has a TV program and now has a ministry that feeds tens of thousands of children around the world. He's had a, a great light of influence for Christ. His conception, this is not widely known, his conception was the result of a rape. His mother, in her 40s, was the nurse caregiver, the in-house nurse caregiver to an older man. And one night, this older man's son came home in a drunken state and raped his father's nurse. She conceived and rejected the, the option of abortion, brought this baby to term, delivered this baby, and gave the baby up for adoption to a young couple who happened to be a clergy couple. Uh, this man was a pastor and his wife. And so James Robison grew up in this pastor's home as an adopted son. Now, he rightly says about all of that, none of those things is who I am. Those are things people did. It's not who I am. Now, that's good right there. That's true. That's actually right. And so we hear that. Now, I don't know who's sitting here today. I don't know what outrageous things have been done to you in your mind or your body or your emotions or your spirit. I don't know who hurt you. I don't know who rejected you, abused you, despised you, molested you, tried to destroy you. I don't know. I don't know your story. But I do know if you stand on those experiences and allow them to define you, then they will either dramatically hamper your life or utterly destroy your life. You are not your past. You are not what you have done in your past. You are not what others have done to you in your past. You are a forgiven, loved, and accepted child of Jesus Christ based on the finished work of Christ on your behalf. Praise God. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Now here's the second thing. We know that our past is behind us. It does not define us. And so now we may wonder, what about tomorrow? Because I, I know me and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess up again. I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to step in it. What about, what about tomorrow? Well, there's good news about that too. Tomorrow does not define you either. And let me tell you why. The second point I want to make is this. No separation. Write that down. No separation. There is no separation. Romans 8, 38 and 39 reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It says, height or depth, principalities or powers, forces, nothing in all of creation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, that, that pretty much is all-inclusive. You say, well, you don't, you don't know how bad I am. You don't know what kind of a sinner I am. You don't know how, 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 how awful I can be. Listen, get over yourself. 
The love of God never fails. It never runs out. No, you can accumulate your failures and faults. Just accumulate them. The love of God's got, got you covered. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. One of the great hymns of all times, we should sing it more often, is a hymn that is lofty, it's sophisticated, it is thoughtful, it is rich in its implication, and it goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. There's a second verse, it's not as commonly known, it goes, Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I've done the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, even though it makes him sad. Now everyone knows the chorus, ready to sing it? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Let's put Romans 8 on the screen. Look at it. Let it soak in. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that wonderful news? It really is. So, so listen, our definition is not by anything that has happened to us or, or any commitment we have made in the past. We are not defined that way. And we are not defined by failures that may come in the future because there's no separation. And neither are we defined by what we can do. Let's rehearse that for a moment. We must not allow our particular skills and talents to define us. Uh, everyone knows that there are former professional athletes who have earned millions of dollars who are now in prison or washing cars for a living. Uh, there are former top-of-the-chart musicians who are now homeless. So you can't define yourself on your level of accomplishments because when your youth is gone or your strength is gone or your talent is gone, when tragedy hits, some capacity is lost, it doesn't mean that you are lost. So you're not what you're able to do. That doesn't define you. And here's another thing. You are not defined by your emotions. Gosh, if I could just get you to hear this. You are not defined by how you feel. This is, this is critically important. Just because you're discouraged or you have the blues or maybe even you're depressed, clinically depressed, does not mean God is. Doesn't mean that God is. Now, we need to be honest with our emotions. Of course, okay, I feel down, discouraged, and depressed. But, hear it, it does not have the power to separate me from the love of God. I'm still loved by God. Now, let me, let me just say, I am not a gifted counselor. I've learned this about myself I've been told this many times, and so I, I, I get it. Uh, I am not allowed into our counseling center. I'm not even allowed to walk into the building. They took my key away from me. It's, uh, I'm not welcome there. I, I tend to be um, a little uh, abrupt in my counseling style. You know, you tell me your, your problems, and, and after I hear you, I, I may ask you a question like, How's, how's that working out for you? And you say, it's not working out well. And I say, well, is doing those things causing you pain? Yes, doing those things is causing me pain. And my response is, well, stop doing them. If, <laughs> stop it. It's not particularly sensitive, empathetic, you know, careful. I'm not, I'm not good at that. So 
So with that qualifier, I do have this concern. I have this concern that too many of us have become extreme uh, navel gazers, if you will. We've become almost morbid in our introspection. We, we tend to wallow in our emotions. And, and in a post-truth culture, this has is, this is gone wild. This is, this is a, a, controlled by emotions on steroids. One of the, the most amazing things for me is how so many people just to be, seem to be dominated in their worldview, not by truth, not by what God says, but by how they feel or what they think about a certain thing. I hear, I hear people talking heads, you know, from all, all categories, all corners of the culture, and many times when I hear what they're saying, it just, it's insane to me. Literally, it's crazy. It makes no sense. It is completely disconnected from ultimate reality of God's truth. But this is the worldview that people are, and there are movements of people now going that direction. And my first instinct when I hear someone just talking about what they think or how they feel about the world and about themselves, my first instinct is to say, they just don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't realize who they are. They don't understand the place upon which they should stand, the finished work of Christ. They don't understand that there's no condemnation. They don't understand that, that their future has been secured, hopefully, because there's no separation from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God's love. So folks don't know who they are as a result of that. Christian people struggle in similar ways because we fail to stand under this wonderful truth that removes our past from us. No condemnation. And we, and we fear and fret and, and worry and stress over tomorrow, failing to remember that there is no separation, that God loves me yesterday, he loves me today, he'll love me tomorrow, and he'll keep me. And so we need to be real and open and honest with our emotions. I, I get that. We need, to, we need to understand that and be in not be in denial of that. I mean, denial is equally negative. But you can't go around saying, you know, my, my grandmother just passed. I'm so happy. Wait a minute. That's like a disconnect from reality. And yet people are going through the world like that. So I feel bad. I feel tired. I feel weak. I feel powerless. I feel, I feel all kinds of feelings. But it should not define who we are because our feelings are so unpredictable. So you must not allow your emotions to define so don't give your emotions the power to define you. So who do you think you are? Well, you're not a person who's the sum of your talents and gifts. You're, you're not the person who has failures and faults. You're not the person who's been mistreated and defined by the sinful actions of others. You're not the person as defined by the way you feel in a particular moment. So who are you? Well, let me just say, we are all the person who rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation that can accuse you. There is no separation from you and God's love for you. And it's interesting to note now Romans 8, and this is why this chapter is so, so important. The first two verses remind us that there's no condemnation. The last two verses remind us that there's no separation. And the verses in between in Romans chapter 8 refer to the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives 19 times. What, what does that mean? It means that, that the Spirit of God, now resident within us, reminds us who we are. 
In verse 2, he's the spirit of freedom. In verse 4, the spirit of righteousness. In verses 5 and 6, the spirit of holiness, life, and peace. In verse 9, the indwelling spirit. Verse 11, the spirit of resurrection power. (laughs) In verse 13, the spirit of self-control and victory over the flesh. Verse 14, he's the spirit of leadership and guidance. Yeah, in in verse 15, he's the spirit of adoption. In verse 16, the spirit of witness, reminding us that we are the children of God. Verses 23 to 25, the spirit of hope. He's the spirit that keeps hope alive. We all need hope. Verses 26 and 27, he's the spirit of intercession. So in all of these ways, the Holy Spirit's work, presence, and dwelling power in our lives is what gives us our defining shape and defining capacity in life. In the activity of the Holy Spirit, I find, I find out who I am, and I can live in that. I'm a person who stands on the solid floor of no condemnation, and over my head is the roof, if you will, of no separation. Between the floor and the roof, I'm a person who is defined by my relationship with God and my intrinsic value as a human being, evidenced by God's amazing grace and sustaining love. Watch this. The Holy Spirit intercedes with my life on every level to give me the guidance I need, the peace I need, the power I need, the assurance I need, and the identity that I need in order to know who I am, who made me who I am, who has given me the resources of life and given me a hope for eternity. I find my identity in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Let me ask you this question. What do you think What do you think has sustained Christians for 2,000 years? There are saints of God who have come to faith in Jesus Christ in the last 2,000 years, and they live their lives with such devotion, faithfulness, and integrity that they change the world. What sustained the faith of the saints? And another question, what sustained the faith of the martyrs? This may be the most profound question you will ever ask yourself or hear hear asked. What sustained the the faith of the saints and the martyrs? It's a big question. Because the saints of God in history have faced the cross, stones, stakes, torture, bullets, beheadings, all all the rest. All they had to do was renounce Christ. But the people have always been sustained by a faith that caused them to respond in the same way. Listen, I'm not defined by your threats. I'm not defined by the cross. I'm not defined by your stake, your bullets, your blade. Not defined by any of those things. I am defined, rather, by my hope. I know who I am. I know upon whom I stand. I am not condemned. I know that over me is the promise that I'll never be separated from the love of God. So go ahead, crucify me, burn me at the stake, Whack off my head, shoot me with your gun. Go ahead, pull the trigger. I'll be dead and I'll be with Jesus because I have a living hope that does not disappoint and never fades away. Glory to God. This is who I am. This is who I am. So who do you think you are? What is your name? We're reconciled to God. We're destined, we're called, we're justified, we're glorified. If you think you're a body, just a physical body, 
then you'll live subject to your appetites. If, if you think your, your talents, your physical natural talents, then when you lose them, you've lost you. You may think that you're, you're past. And if you do, you'll live in a cloud of condemnation. And your future will have already been written without hope. You may think that your, your weaknesses, your failures, then you will live subject to the accusation of Satan himself. And you'll never overcome. Let me put this statement on the screen. But if you rightly are related to God through Jesus Christ, submitted to his indwelling spirit, then you are free and secure and destined and purposeful and hopeful and at peace. That's the way it works. This is how you know who you are. A good friend of mine is a missionary to many parts of the world and often ministers in Mexico. And years ago, he was in a small Mexican village, the name of which is Boca de Juan Capitan, which translated means the face of Captain John. Now, how a little village got that name, we have no idea. But the face of Captain John is a tough town. It's a vile place difficult place and through the ministry of Christian people there people began to come to faith in Jesus and one of the converts some years ago was a young girl who had a very promiscuous past and came to a dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ and it completely transformed her life and my missionary friend said that this young woman was very bold and very articulate, very passionate about her faith in Jesus. He said that literally I could listen, I could sit and listen to her preach all night because she was so full of God. Now, if you think about it, you'll realize that a young girl, a teenage girl in a tough little village in Mexico who is promiscuous and then becomes a follower of Jesus, this becomes at least an inconvenience to some of the men in the town. And and one night after church, she was going home, and five young men attacked her and brutally mistreated her. Every time after that, they, when they would see her, they would mock her and laugh at her and remind her of what they had done to her. But she maintained her faith, and she maintained her peace, and maintained her dignity. And one night, my friend said it was so impressive that he had to ask her, and he said, after, after your, uh, your past promiscuous past, and after this brutal rape, how is it that you are able to maintain such dignity in the face of all of that? And she looked at my friend and said, those men are what they did. I am what Christ did. There it is. There it is. Whoop, there it is. Did you get it? That's it. That is it. That's all of it. That's all you need to know that your identity is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation. And that your future have been, has been sealed in a hopeful way because nothing can separate you from the love of God. And your life here and now and the potential that you have and the influence God has called you to and your purpose in life is defined by the work of the Holy Spirit within you and through you. Now, these are important truths, friends, and can change your life if you can assimilate it and believe it. One more thing. Just about everybody in this room has fed a little baby. 
you know, a little baby just entering that toddler stage when they're old enough to sit up in a little high chair and you got the little tray in front of them, put the little bib on them. Can you see them there pounding away? And their eyes are dancing and they're hungry and, and you prepare this little bowl of mush, this cereal that is, is really good for them, uh, maybe called pablum. I, no one eats it. No one's ever eaten it. No one even knows since you were a baby what it's about. We just know it's supposed to be good for them. And so it's prepared, it's mixed, which is the amount of mixture and the right temperature. Mothers are careful about the temperature. And, and so you take the little bitty spoon, it's only about this long, little bitty, just a mouth, fit the mouth of a baby. And you take that little spoon, you dip a little, and you start making noises. And you're going, mmm, yum, 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 yum. This is good. Mm. Oh, you're going to love this. Mmm, so good. And you stick a spoonful of that stuff in their mouth, what do they do? Well, they spit it right back out because who would want to eat this stuff? Even a baby knows this. That's not, that's not right. And when they spit it out, it usually, you know, it spurts out a little bit, but most of it lands on their chin. And what do we do? We just scoop it right back up, scrape it off their chin, and then you just stick it right back in their mouth like that. And a little bit more, not as much, but a little bit comes back out, and you scrape that up, and you stick it back in, and then you get another spoonful, and you repeat this process, humming and cooing and motivating this baby as you go until the whole bowl is gone. You go, success. <laughs> now listen to me. What I've been teaching you this morning is really, really good for you. Mmm. Yum, 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 yum. Mmm, so good. So important. So you swallow it. You swallow, don't you spit that out. You, you swallow that because it's good for you. And it will liberate you from your past and from the fears of the future and give you a hope that does not disappoint. My name is loved. My name is forgiven. My name is accepted. Amen? Amen. Let's pause and pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. It is so great. It is so grand. We are so thankful for your provision in that way. Your word is so rich. It is inexhaustible. It is infallible. It is insightful. So, oh God, today, communicate to us deep unto deep, spirit to spirit, so that we might receive this truth. And may we change the way we think about ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Would you stand with us?